Hello and welcome to I Read a Book Once. My name is Emma and this is a podcast where I talk about books. Today I will be talking about The Adventures of Amina Al-Sarafi by Shannon Chakraborty. This is a fantasy novel, an adult fantasy novel set in the 12th century in the Indian Ocean. And it's about pirates and our main character is a 40-year-old mother and it's very fun. It's very different. We've got our main character is Muslim and her faith is a strong element of the book, which I'm definitely going to be talking about. 12th century, Middle Eastern setting, older character, mother, yeah, pirates. It's, it's fun. It's very, very, very different than anything I've ever seen out on the market. And I really enjoyed it. So I'll be talking about that today. I just fin- by just I mean like uh maybe 20 minutes ago finished recording the previous episode on the liar's crown and I don't know why I do this to myself because I hate 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 recording two episodes back to back it's just so much work which is is it though because re- all I have to do is just sit here and talk So, not sure if it's a lot of work, but it is emotionally draining. Is it though? I don't know. I just don't like having to do two at once. And I'm also annoyed because I liked this book way more than the one I talked about first. So, I should have done these backwards, but I didn't. So, this is going to be fun. I promise though, because I have a lot of cool and interesting things I want to talk about with this book. It is a long one though it was almost 500 pages so I'm gonna do my best to give you the shortest plot summary I possibly can to still give you an idea of what's going on because I have a tendency to ramble so I'm not necessarily super concise something that my co-workers could tell you when they have to read my writing and it's really really long okay so first, I'm going to issue a spoiler warning. If you don't want the adventures of Amina Al-Sarafi to be spoiled, stop here. Go read the book. I would recommend it. I had a lot of fun with it. Like I said, I think it's very, very new, something that I thought The Lies Crumb was not, and very different and super fun, and I liked it a lot, and I am looking forward to reading the other books in the series when they eventually come out. This book just came out about a month ago. Like, it came out on... February 28th, I believe. So I've got probably quite a bit of time in waiting that I will need to do, but that's okay. I will suffer and then enjoy it when it comes out. Okay. So there's that. And then, and then there's one other thing that happens in this book that I kind of want to provide a trigger warning for, but it is also like kind of a big spoiler so if you don't want to know what that is until I tell you in this plot summary, go ahead and skip ahead like 30 seconds. If you don't care or if you need to know what it is, then you can listen. And I just want to uh, provide a trigger warning for transphobia, basically. We will get to that when we get to that, but that is something that does happen. Other than that, there's, you know, the usual violence, swearing, uh, and a little bit of sex also, but this is an adult fantasy novel, so nothing that you wouldn't be expecting already. And with that, let's get into the plot summary. So like I said, this is about pirates. It's set in the 12th century. We have our main character, Amina. 
Her family is kind of of varied roots. Like, I think one of her grandmothers was from India. She is Muslim, and I believe her family is some sort of uh, Middle Eastern ethnicity, but I don't really remember exactly where they're from. So she just kind of, she's got a lot kind of going on and is also very tall. Don't know why I'm mentioning that right now, but yeah. So basically, like, she comes from a line of pirates. Like, her grandpa was, like, a very, very successful, like, pirate. I think his nickname was, like, the Sea Lion or something like that. And then her dad also was a pirate or a sailor or something, but, like, he definitely died. And then when she was about 16, she stole the family ship and she went out and became a pirate and did that for about, like, 15 or so years until she was, like, 30 or something like that and she got pregnant and there was this big tragedy where one of her crew members named Asif died and it's kind of like a mystery of what all happened with that that unravels throughout the course of the story and after that they her and her whole crew retired and she went back home and had her daughter Mar- Marjana and was living like with her family again and kind of like had never set foot to see again so the way this book is told it is told as basically there is this um, scribe named Jamal who is interviewing Amina to learn all about her adventures, basically. And they're starting with this one. And so it's like starts out with Jamal, like explaining what he's doing. And then you have Amina telling the story in like first person from her perspective. It's kind of almost like a like a transcription of an interview, except everything Jamal says you don't hear. But you hear basically like her, you hear her responses to him, which I thought was really interesting. So that's like the framing device. And the story starts like 10 years after Amina has retired. And this woman, this like older woman tracks her down and basically like wants to hire her for a job where she would get a million dollars, except it's not dollars. It's like whatever the money was called. I don't remember. But Amina, like, doesn't want to do it because, you know, she's, like, retired. But basically, this woman, like, threatens her, like, I tracked you down. You have a lot of enemies. And if you don't do it, I know where your family lives because she came to the house. And I will kill them, basically. And it turns out that this woman's granddaughter, Dunya, was captured by a Frank, which is basically, like, somebody from, like, Europe, but not from... So there was... It was, like... A Frank is somebody from not the Byzantine Empire. So basically, it's unclear if this man is from Italy, France, the Germany area, like he but he's somewhere, he's somewhere in Europe. He's from there. And he like came around and was like interested in magical objects that this woman had, her family has. And then but when she refused to deal with him, his he stole or I guess kidnapped her granddaughter. And so she's basically like, I'll give you a million dollars if you can go, like, find my granddaughter and, like, doesn't give her a choice. So she's like, okay. And part of her is, like, frustrated that she's being blackmailed and her family's life's on the line. But the other part of her is excited to go out to sea again. So she's like, I need to um, get my crew. So she first goes and visits, like, she hasn't spoken to any of her crewmates in, like, the 10 years she's been retired. So the first person she recruits is Dahlia who was their poison master, basically. She was part of the Banu Susan. Basically, this kind of, like, gang, I guess. 
and like knows all these poisons and stuff like that. So they they get her and then they go to Aden or Aiden. I don't know how you say that. And that's where her ship, the Marawadi, is. And that is where her first mate, Tinbu, is. And she left him in charge of the boat when she retired. Well, when they get there, he's getting arrested for like being a pirate, basically, and thrown in jail. And he's going to get murdered. So they have to break him out of jail. So they do that, and then they, like, break his crew as well, and they agree to, like, be on her boat with her, and they, like, run out into the sea. And then they have to outwit, they basically ship, they sink, like, a naval ship, and they, like, escape, and then they, like, hunt down the sky for information about the Frank, whose name is, I can't believe I've forgotten it already, what the heck is this man's name? Oh, Falco. Okay. So they're trying to get information about the Frank whose name is Falco. And they're talking about him. And as they're learning, they find out that Dunya was not kidnapped. She actually ran away and wanted to join join Falco to, like, do her research or whatever. And as he's talking to them, he, like, dies. He's, like, choking on the coins that they paid him in order to, like, get the information from him. And so then Amina, like, really doesn't want to do this. She goes back and confronts, I think, Salima, Saida, some, the old woman, the grandma, and, like, gets a little bit more information. And then they realize that Dunya's, like, after this thing called the Moon of Saba, which is, like, supposedly this pearl and is, like, a manifestation of one of the moon cycle crescents, manzils. I don't know. I wasn't very familiar with that terminology. And they got to go, like, and they find out that the place that she's going is, like, some island that's really hard to get to. So they have to go track down Majed, who was their last, like, core crew member. And he was their map maker because he would know. But they didn't leave under great terms because, okay, so, like, Asif is the one who died. And Asif is also Dunya's dad. So that is kind of, like, the tie that's pulling them all together. And we know that, like, something happened of him, like, dying, but we don't know what. And we also know that Amina's, like, husband, ex-husband was uh, involved somehow. His name is Rakash. Rakash? I don't know. And he is some sort of, like, otherworldly being creature. Amina calls him a demon, but he's kind of, like, this chaos being. He, like, thrives. He, like, makes deals with people. And, like, he thrives on chaos and he like is trying to make legends he feeds off of ambition basically and so something went wrong with that but we don't know what so they go and find Majed and you know you know they have the whole like ah like confrontation and he agrees to help them and he doesn't just produce the map and tell them that they need to go to Sukotora he goes with them and this is like a notorious pirate island but anyways they get there and they find that Falco ship has been like completely torn apart and they're like wow this is weird Then they stumble upon this village and it's deserted except for three elders who have been like nailed to a tree and like killed in a gruesome way. So then that's where they find Rakash and he's like, I was helping Falco, but then he's so disturbed I like escaped. And so they like go through this cave and the Munasaba is somehow like supposedly in this cave to try and find Dunya. But once they get there, they realize that she has since run away And Amina basically, and they find all these villagers and there were these terrible blood sacrifices that Falco was doing to gain power. It was so disgusting. So they free them. But in order to like make time, Amina gets captured. 
Falco tries to talk her into basically like joining his team and she's like, no, you creep. And then he forces this like blue stinger down her throat to try and tie him to them, to him. And then you find out that he has this like octopus scorpion like creature that's like a huge giant monster. But Rakash like saves her from being tied into that fate. And because like it would give her like supernatural like strength or speed, but it would also like make her one of Falco's minions. So they run away. They end up finding Dunya on like a boat that she stole like half alive she's almost dead so they rescue her and she is like telling them that the munasab was actually a wash basin and like they're basically they're talking and then this is where the trans storyline comes in so basically junior was like i had to run away because my grandma was going to make me get married to the governor of aiden and i didn't want to get married and then amina originally is like yeah, well, you need to, like, you need to be protected because you have this crazy man coming after you. And she's like, no, you don't understand. Like, basically, I'm not actually a girl. I am a boy. And so Dunya basically, she the word trans and, like, that isn't necessarily, like, explicitly stated. But she's, like, basically, like, saying that, but she doesn't have the vocabulary. Except, like... We still are calling her Dunya and using she, her pronouns for the book, for most of the book. But she, like, this is where the transphobia comes in of being, like, her grandma, like, doesn't understand. And, like, Falco also made fun of her, like, all this different stuff. So then Amina's, like, trying to figure out what to do. But then Falco comes and, like, was, like, coming after Dunya because she, he needs her to, like, she has the knowledge of how to get the moon of Saba, which is what he's after, basically. So he comes riding on his giant monster beast, which, like, literally lifts the entire ship up out of the water and, uh, like, kills a few people. And then he kills, but not really. Like, he thinks he's killed Amina by, like, stabbing her, throwing her off the boat, and then stealing her ship and Dunya. And so then, like, she, he takes them all back to Sokotora to try and get, like, the, um... Munasaba. Amina, like, is basically cast out in the open ocean for two weeks until she eventually finds land. Oh, so also Rakash stole their, like, escape boat during this whole thing, so he's, like, gone. And she washes up on this island, but it turns out the island is, like, in between worlds, and it's kind of where, like, some magical, like, creatures live. And Rakash is there, and he's like, well, they're gonna try and kill you, but they end up striking a deal that if Amina can like stop Falco and destroy five um transgressions which are basically like magical things in the human world because these beings these parries which are like bird people basically don't want um magic in the human world she's like if I destroy five of these things you let me go and like live my life and you don't come after my family so they agree and so they drop her off like on like somewhere and they end up on and Rakash is there and like her and Rakash recruit this like one of the pirates like groups on Sokotora to like come and they have like an epic battle and Amina like frees the the it's called like a Merid Marin something like that the the beast the creep the sea creature beast and um like race and like freeze her crew and then they go after Dunya and Dunya's, like, in there, like, summoning the Munasaba. We also find out that, like, the Munasaba is, like, whoever possesses it has, like, insane power, but they might go and they might go insane, and they can control all the chaos beings. Now, Rakash is Marjana's father, so he is the father of Amina's child, but he doesn't know that, 
and Amina is basically like won't divorce him. Well, she first of all, she thought he was dead because they tried to kill him um, after Asif's death, because it turns out basically that Asif um, bartered his soul for like immense power, but like didn't like pay like basically. So then uh, he lost his soul and we find out that like he died from like just like a, an illness, but then he came back to life and was like killing people and eating them. So they like burned him like with chains. So he like died for real this time. And that's when they tried to kill Rakash. Anyways, so Amina feels really guilty for that because she knew Rakash was like not human when she brought him on the boat. But then it turns out all of them actually knew because they were all making deals with him. Anyways, so... Uh, yeah, so there's a fight scene, and then Amina, like, runs after Dunya, who's, like, some... Oh, that's why she wants to destroy the Munasaba, because she doesn't know if her daughter will be, like, forced under the control from that. Anyways, so then her and Falco, like, have a big fight, and Dunya, like, does end up summoning the Munasaba, but then we find, like, the moon spirit that's, like, trapped inside there ends up... Like, Dunya, like, reversed it, so instead of um, Falco being able to use the moon spirit, the moon spirit possesses him, and if they can get him just to see the moon, then he'll go back and the the thing will be destroyed. But they're underground in a cave, so they're, like, trying to figure out what to do because now the moon spirit's trying to kill them. And the Marin, the sea beast, ends up helping in, like, striking a hole in the cave top so that they can see the sun. Or not the sun, the moon. And then Amina kills Falco. And then they go home and Amina's like, all right, well, I found one of the five items, so... But I get a break in between. So she's like reunited with her family. And then it ends with um, Dunya chopping off her hair and renaming themselves as Jamal, who's our storyteller. And like also joining the crew kind of as the scribe. And we find out that Jamal is Dunya. So there we go. That is the story. Okay, so let's get into the discussion section. But first, I must tell you, I'm extremely hot because the sun is beating down at me because obviously, I only record when the sun is directly beaming in through my windows when it's setting. And I also found out I like paused briefly in between the uh, plot summary and the discussion section to like get up because I was so hot. And I realized that our balcony door was open. I was out there earlier reading today. And so it's hot here today. It's in the high 60s. So, you know, feeling like summer or I guess spring. I do love spring. It's my favorite season. Anyway, so that was probably also why I was hot because the air from outside was getting in. Although I also turned my heater off because we don't, we only have heat or AC. They haven't turned the AC on yet. Okay. Okay. I'm getting off track. I think we should start with the Dunya Jamal uh, not twist, reveal, I guess. So basically, at the beginning, Jamal introduces himself with like his whole name, Jamal Al-Hali. Hali? Yeah, I think it's Hali. And um, so you're like, okay, cool. This is just Jamal. Like you think Jamal is just some like random guy, right? And then like, I feel like I should have picked this up sooner because we, like, know, like, the grandma, like, introduces herself and we, like, figure out, like, Asif, like, his last name was Al-Heli and, like, so obviously that's what Dunya's last name is as well, but I didn't really put it together 
until we get to the part before Amina meets Dunya for the first time, or yeah, like around there, and says to Jamal, like, are you sure you want me to talk about this part? Like, I can skip over it. And then Jamal's like, of course. And and or then Amina's like, well, what do you mean? Why would I want to? Like, because I have to talk about the this person as I knew them then. So then me not realizing that we like don't know. We've never seen like Dunya on page yet. So I thought maybe Dunya was Jamal's mother or something like that. Because that's when I put together the last name. So I realized they had to be related. But I didn't like put it together that they were the same person. At that point, there's nothing that will hint at the fact that Jamal is trans. Like, you just don't know. Anyways, but then once Amina talks to Dunya and Dunya talks about how she doesn't really feel like a woman, she feels like a man. That's what I put it together that Jamal probably was Dunya. And then when I got to the end and that was revealed to be the case, I was like, ah, I did figure it out. Now, I didn't necessarily figure it out that quickly, but... That was something that I figured out. It's also interesting too, like if like once you know that, to think back about like the conversations that Amina was having with Jamal, like as she's telling the story, and just like the fact that Jamal is telling the story at all. Uh, I also think it's really cool and interesting to have a trans character set in a book that's set in the 12th century in a very religious world, and let's talk about that next. So. This book was very much intertwined with faith and, wait, I wrote intertwining of faith and fantasy. Yeah, so this idea of Islam was very much entwined and entangled in this fantasy world. Amina is, I don't know if devout is the best word to use her to say she's like a devout Muslim, but she definitely is a very big believer. Now, she is obviously, she's a pirate, so she has murdered she swears she used to drink alcohol. Like, she's done a lot of things that she shouldn't have done as a Muslim. However, she's kind of reformed. And that's also, like, the fun part at the end. They're, like, reformed pirates and they're going to sit out for good. So they're going to con for good. I saw, like, after I finished this book that, like, it was marketed as, like, Ocean's Eleven meets the Pirates of the Caribbean. I've only seen one Pirates of the Caribbean movie and that is the last one. And I've actually never seen Ocean's Eleven. I have seen Ocean's Eight and I love it. But I think that's probably pretty good like marketing description of the book based on like comparable things. Because that's another thing. Pirate fantasy? Who has ever read pirate fantasy before? Not me. I'm sure there are some out there, but I've never ever read a book about pirates before. So this was really fun and that it was different. I was a little nervous because like I don't hate pirates. I have one friend from college who like hates pirates like with a passion, like really, really does not like pirates. I'm like very ambivalent, but I'm not a pirate media consumer. Like I said, I've not seen the Pirates of the Caribbean movies and I don't have any real desire to see them either. So I was like, I don't know about this pirates, but one of the booktubers I like really likes um, the author's first series, which is also a Middle Eastern fantasy series. I think that one's set in Cairo, like in Egypt in the early 1800s. I don't know. I've never read it before. But yeah, anyway, so I was like kind of skeptical, but it sounded interesting. It was my March book of the month pick. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to go for it. And I really liked it. But I want to talk first about the intertwining of faith and fantasy because it's very, very rare. 
normally if you have a fantasy there's either fake religion that was made up like if it's a high fantasy set like in a different world or if it's an urban fantasy now I, I find it hard to call this an urban fantasy because it's set in like the 12th century on the sea but if you have a fantasy story set in like our world like on earth like in our timeline you know it's very uncommon that there is religion talked about it's just like everybody is an atheist and it's just kind of assumed you just kind of assume that the only other book I've read where um there was like a true element of faith alongside like a very like the fantasy element was um Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik where the main character in that book Miriam is Jewish like her and her family are Jewish and everybody else is I'm assuming like Christian but like Miriam like her has like a strong like faith and so that it's interesting to see that like playing out alongside there's like an ice fae people called the Stark in that book if you haven't read Spinning Silver or listened to my episode on it you should that is one of my all-time faves it's a standalone fantasy it is chef's kiss amazing I really liked it a lot but anyway so this was kind of fun because we're having again this intertwining this time now of Islam and fantasy the fantasy elements ramp up the further you get into the book. The beginning of the book, they're not really there other than the fact that, you know, she married a um, demon. But like as you get further and further into the book, you're getting more fantasy. And it's like interesting to see a world where it's accepted that there is both magic, sorry, and a one true God and that they coexist and that it's not like a weird thing. The author like talks about and her like author's note or historical note or she like has this whole bit at the end where she talks about all the research and the reading she did which it is very clear that this book was super well researched and like a lot of thought was put into it and like I really just put me in the world and made me realize how interconnected the world was which I'll talk more about later but anyway so like apparently there is like a precedence for this idea that in Islam that there is God but that there are also jinn like genies that coexist and coincide so that's super interesting I don't know anything about it beyond like the one sentence I read in this book and the fact that this book exists but I think it's super interesting and I like having books where faith is I'm not gonna say necessarily like ex it's not necessarily explored in this but that it is like an essential part of the character because we really live in a world increasingly where all books are just like no religion at all but and that's not the case for everybody I will say it is very heavy very very heavy on the religious aspect like it literally like opens up and uh it starts out like this and the name of God the most merciful the most compassionate Blessings upon his honored prophet Muhammad, his family, and his followers. Praise be to God who in his glory created the earth, its diversity of lands and languages, peoples and tongues. In these vast marvels, so numerous a human eye cannot gaze upon more than a sliver. Is this not proof of his magnificence? And it, when it comes to marvels, let us delight in the adventures of the Nakahuda. I don't think I'm saying that right. Amina al-Sarafi. And that just means captain. And so, like, it's starting off real strong. And the first few chapters, it's a little, it was a little drawing, like there's just so much. And then by the time you get to the end, you're just like, Amina just loves to praise her God. And I love that for her. And so 
I will, that's not necessarily a warning, but just something so you know, there is a lot of religion in this book, but I enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. I was also, uh, also talking about religion. It's very, there's also very interesting discussions about religion in this book because Amina and a lot of her crew are Muslim, but her friend Dahlia is Christian and like these villagers on that island were also Christian. Falco is also technically a Christian and this whole book is taking place during a time when crusades were a thing. Now, if you don't know what the crusades are, they are when basically the European Christians were like, we want to have Jerusalem, we want the Holy Land. And the like Muslims were like, no, we want the Holy Land. And I'm sure the Jewish people were also involved wanting the Holy Land. But like they're not, the Jewish people are not really involved in this book. Anyway, so they basically all go and kill each other and say that they're doing it in the name of God. Like God wants us to have the Holy Land. So we must kill all these people to get rid of them and so that we can win. And then we will plunder and have power. And then like, 20 years later, it's like, well, now we want the land back and God is telling us we must do this. And um, Amina and Falco had a very interesting conversation about the Crusades because Falco used to be a crusader. And Amina's talking about like how people use God to justify greed. And that's something that I don't think we talk enough about. People like saying like, especially like in these wars of old, people like saying like, we must do this for God, but really greed. Or when you think about like colonialism and imperialism saying like, we're bringing God to the like heathens, but really people just wanted to go to this new land, steal it and take all the resources so they could make money. There's so many things people do claiming that it's in the name of God, but it's really just for their own self-interest. And I don't think we discuss that enough as a people, as a society, and it wasn't like, it was kind of just like one moment in the book, but it really, I was like, yes, you're right. And we should talk about this more. And so I did talk about it here and I enjoyed that a lot. The other thing I enjoyed was just how new and different this fantasy novel is. It is basically everything you never see. I already talked about pirates, but even you just think about the main character, the main character in this fantasy novel is a woman. That in this adult fantasy novel is a woman. We, I feel like we could just leave it there. She is a 40-year-old woman. Unheard of. Like, I've read plenty of fantasies where, like, the main character is a woman, but they are typically YA fantasies, so the main character is, like, 16. Very different. She's also a mother. How often do you have a main character in a fantasy novel be a parent? You really don't, and I think part of that is because it is difficult to have a family and also go on these adventures. But that's part of the tension of the novel is Amina like missing her child and like trying to like protect her while also like being out and doing her thing and going on these adventures. So I enjoyed that. It's set in the 12th century. You see basically nothing set in the 12th century when you've got like historical fiction. Now, is this historical fiction, historical fantasy fiction? I don't know. But like when you look at historical fiction, the bulk of it is set in World War II or Regency era England. Regency era England is obviously for those Regency romance novels. World War II is for everything else, pretty much. And like other, like, you don't really see people going back to the 1200s or I guess the 12th century, so the 1100s. But that was fun. Also vastly underrepresented in American media because that's mostly what I consume 
is settings where main characters are Muslim and just like books being set in the Middle East, like whether that be fantasy or not. I have read a few fantasy novels at this point that have had a Middle Eastern inspired setting because they were like fake worlds. I read um, The Stardust Thief last year in the summer, springtime. That was like, that book was like, okay. It was like decent. I don't know if I'm going to read the next one. And then I read um, a book series. I don't remember what the series was called, but like the main character was like the blue-eyed bandit. That one was really good. I enjoyed that series a lot. So anyways, there's, but like when you think about it, there are so many Norse-themed, like, inspired fantasies. There are so many, like, Camelot, Arthur-inspired fantasies. Like, you've got a lot of the Europeanness, and you do not see a lot of the Middle Easternness. And I think that's probably due to Americans being racist in 9-11, and we all know how all of that went down. Don't feel the need to super get into it here. But, like, I read... Okay, so also something we need to talk about is the author. So, Shannon Chakraborty is a white woman. However, in her teens, she converted to Islam. So, she is um, a Muslim, but she is a white convert. And then her, this is her married name. So, I believe she married somebody who was, like, born a Muslim? I don't know exactly. I don't really know anything about her family, but... That is something to know about her. So she is like, it's like interesting. And she also like did so much research into this book. Like you can read about all the reading she did. And she like provides like things if you're curious and you want to do reading. So this is super well researched. And like you can tell like I read an interview from her where she's like, I just like hated that there was nothing that people from like my religious community could read where, like, she's like, I love fantasy, but, like, you read it, and then there you go. There's just, like, somebody, like, making, like, anti-Islamic, like, jokes or, like, undertones or things like that. So, she wanted to write something where it's, like, yay, we are good, too, basically. That's not really what she said, and, like, maybe that's, like, not a great way for me to phrase that, but that's what I went with. And so, I, like, really enjoy that as well because I think the only way you're going to get people, part of the... uh, we got to get over it, you guys. We got to get over those racist feelings, those, um, what's the, is there like a word for religious hatred? We got to get over it, okay? We got to get over it. Not all Muslim people are terrorists. Most of them are not. And we need to get over that and not see people and say horrible things to them or get over those biases in our heads. And part of a great way to do that is have these positive books and media options and things like that. So I really liked it. I thought it was super new and different. I love the fact that Amina is so different from all the other main characters that you are seeing in your fantasy novels. Now let's see, what else do I have? Oh, okay. I wanna talk about like one last thing because I'm running low on time here. And that's that I had no idea where this book was going or the pacing because I assumed the entire book was going to be them trying to find Dunya and at the end they find her basically. But they find her about halfway through the book and then I was like, well, now what's going on? But it was once Amina washed up on the magical island and she agrees to basically like track down these other transgressions, that's when I was like, okay, I get it now. I get where this is going. So I think like the next two books are gonna like, 
I, I, I just was confused by the pacing until I realized that the story was not really about tracking down Dunya. It was about the Munasaba and destroying it, which you like don't learn you need to do until you're like over halfway through the book. So I feel like the, I think this is a trilogy. So I think the next two books will be like more like the story arc is going to make more sense because it's going to be about like, okay, they found out about one of these new transgressions. Her and her crew are going to go and adventure. And I also didn't know as I was reading it if Falco was going to die in this book or not or if he was going to be the antagonist through the series. I'm kind of glad that he's dead mostly because he was really creepy and messed up. And that man now, people shouldn't really die, but like, what am I saying? I'm being distracted by the fact I see this little thing telling me how much disc space I have remaining for recording. If you're curious, it's 139 hours and 30 minutes. So that's a lot of time, but I've never seen that before. So your girl may need to clean up her laptop. Anyways, so I feel like the pacing for these next books are going to make more sense. And I'm excited to see where they take me. So with that, there are a few other things I could talk about. Like I kind of wanted to talk about like Rakash and like if I think him and Amina will like end up forming like a romantic relationship again like obviously at some point he has to find out that he has a daughter and like I think that'll be an interesting plot line and to um, explore and discover but who knows what's going to happen I couldn't find anything about what the next book's going to be which doesn't really surprise me considering how recently this one came out but I will definitely be reading it and I really enjoyed this one so with that please rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. It would help me out a lot. It helps other people find this podcast, and I would love you forever. If you want to talk about this book, this episode, or this podcast, feel free to send me a DM on Instagram at blog or email me at blog at gmail.com. I feel like there's another thing I'm supposed to tell you to do. I guess you could follow my Instagram, but I never post on it anymore. And then, okay, so next week, I do not know what book you will be hearing about because I am going home for Easter for a week. And so I'm not bringing any books with me because I don't have any space. And I'm probably just going to steal something from my mom or sister, but I don't know what yet. So next week's a surprise both for you and for me because I have no idea what's in store. So with that, My name is Emma, this was I Read a Book Once, and I'll catch you guys next time.